You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. I uh, hope you had a great weekend. Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show. Danette down. Fritzy's at home. His son is going through some graduation ceremonies there. I think Fritzy will be in a little bit later on. Glad you're part of the program, as we always do every Monday. Best and worst of the weekend. What you saw that you liked, you didn't like. Your opportunity to add your voice to the program, 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address, dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at dpshow. Peter King will join us coming up in a little bit. We'll check in with Tom Verducci, Fox Sports, about the baseball situation that's going on. MLB will meet today with team owners on a conference call to discuss plans for the uh, upcoming season after a weekend of No progress in talks with the union. I will say this, when things are quiet, that's when I'm encouraged because it feels like anytime something happens with Major League Baseball, it's leaked to the media. Nothing came out this weekend. Maybe nothing happened, but nothing was leaked. So we'll talk to Verducci about this with the clock ticking on Major League Baseball. NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell made a strong statement on Friday night. He said the NFL was wrong not to let its players protest in the past. He did not invoke the name Colin Kaepernick. Now, for some people, Goodell hit the right notes. Others said it was too little too late. Others just don't agree with this sentiment. Words matter, especially now, so it's not wise to dismiss the commissioner's comments, but their true meaning will be revealed by the league's actions in the coming weeks, coming months and coming years. When football does return, there's a pretty good chance you're going to have a lot of players who are going to protest. Future Hall of Famer Adrian Peterson already said that he would take a knee during the National Anthem. We'll see how the NFL reacts after this offseason. Kaepernick first protested the Anthem in 2016. It was during the Anthem, not protesting the Anthem itself. NFL had trouble coming up with a consistent plan back then. Felt like the owners were in, they were out, they were sort of on the fence. They weren't sure what the plan was going to be. In just a couple of months, though, we're going to find out just how much their stance has changed on topics that have deeply divided our nation. The commissioner's statement is just the beginning of a new chapter in an NFL storyline that everyone is going to be watching very closely. Here is the commissioner, Roger Goodell, his statement that... uh, he uh, unleashed on Friday afternoon. It has been a difficult time for our country, in particular, black people in our country. First, my condolences to the families of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, and all the families who have endured police brutality. We, the National Football League, condemn racism and the systematic oppression of black people. We, the National Football League, admit we were wrong for not listening to NFL players earlier and encourage all to speak out and peacefully protest. We, the National Football League, believe black lives matter. I personally protest with you and want to be part of the much-needed change in this country. Without black players, there would be no National Football League. And the protests around the country are emblematic of the centuries of silence, inequality, and oppression of black players, coaches, fans and staff we are listening i am listening and i will be reaching out to players who have raised their voices and others on how we can improve and go forward for a better and more united nfl family that's the commissioner on friday late afternoon the president of the united states at eleven fifty-four 
East Coast time last night. He uh, sent out a tweet. Could it be even remotely possible that in Roger Goodell's rather interesting statement of peace and reconciliation, he was intimating that it would now be okay for the players to kneel, kneel in capital letters, or not to stand for the national anthem, thereby disrespecting our country and our flag. So that's from the president late last night. A lot of reaction to this. I do think that this is a reaction by the commissioner in the NFL to Drew Brees saying, hey, I apologize. This wasn't about a protest of the anthem. It was a protest during the anthem. Yahoo's Dan Wetzel had a column that said, if this is real, then it's a clear sign the NFL believes public sentiment on the issue of anthem protests specifically and social justice in general has dramatically shifted. This isn't the NFL leading. The NFL never leads. This is the NFL following where it believes the money will be, if not immediately, then over the next couple of decades. Flags, American or otherwise, tend to show which way the wind is blowing. That's from Dan Wetzel. I do think that the commissioner, after hearing and reading what Drew Brees had to say, then reacted to that. And it, almost as if you could say, let's ride Drew Brees' coattails on this. I don't know if this is the NFL saying, let's get out in front of this. I do think it was a reaction to Drew Brees, who uh, took the courage to say, I was wrong about this. I'm all in with this with my teammates. And this was not a protest of the flag. It was a protest during the ceremony itself. All right. Well, it's staying with us for a while, whether you like it or not. And try not to politicize this, but this is about does Colin Kaepernick get a chance? Uh, Hugh Jackson, the former Cleveland Browns head coach, came out and said, hey, we wanted to bring him in back in 2017, which I don't think he did. It feels like, you know, when we talk about Russell Wilson, you'll get this. Yeah, we're thinking about drafting him. Like how many teams were thinking about drafting him, but everybody had their chance a few times through. Yeah, we're thinking about drafting Russell Wilson. Okay. Seattle did. Nobody else did. Now it feels like, hey, we're thinking about bringing in uh, Colin Kaepernick. Well, Hugh Jackson said that uh, it just didn't work out. Obviously, those things do have to work from a finance draft, whatever all that is. And it just, and that wasn't my decision. But he was asked about this in 2017. And he said, we really haven't discussed Colin. There are other players at this point that we've had a lot of conversations about to see if we can put them on our team. Not saying it won't come up later on. You have to exhaust everything. But at this point, he hasn't come up. Keep in mind, the Browns, they drafted Deshaun Kaiser in round two out of Notre Dame. They passed on Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson with the first overall pick in the draft. But Hugh Jackson, in August of 2017, made it clear he didn't want any anthem protest on his team. Maybe he had interest in Colin Kaepernick, but I don't think you could have Colin Kaepernick and not have some kind of anthem protest there. But maybe it's revisionist history. Maybe Hugh Jackson did want him, but history shows that at the time, doesn't sound like that he wanted Colin Kaepernick. You're starting to at least get the feel. Mark Maskey, great NFL reporter for the Washington Post, said, feels like there's growing sentiment of a team bringing in Colin Kaepernick. All right. If I'm Colin Kaepernick, that feels like tokenism. I, I haven't thrown a football, haven't played. 
like, why am I good now and I wasn't good last year, the year before, the year before that? And he doesn't want to come in and be a backup quarterback. You don't want your backup quarterback to be larger than your starting quarterback. And that would be the case in most situations. I thought Baltimore was going to be a landing spot, but they got RG3. I thought Seattle might be a spot there for him. If I'm Colin Kaepernick and somebody's going to offer me basically what they offered Jameis Winston, I'm not going to come back. I want to come back to play. I want to come back to start. I don't want to come back because somebody says, hey, let's play nice now with Colin Kaepernick and give him a chance. Plus, he hasn't played. So the chances are at his age, what is he, 32, 33? How good is he going to be having not played for a couple of years? This is a story that's staying. Now you have Patrick Mahomes who got involved in this. And I think the commissioner... Probably his ears perked up a little bit when Patrick Mahomes attached his name to this of let's do something now and let's continue to do things. The NFL, be involved, be all involved, stay involved with this. And once you have Patrick Mahomes involved in this, and that's the perfect voice to add to this. Coming off the Super Bowl, his mother is white, his father is black. He's a great leader, great teammate says all the right things. He's a wonderful player. He's the face of the future of the NFL. And I think that the commissioner heard that and certainly echoed those sentiments there. But we move forward, or at least we try to move forward with this. And the commissioner taking the first step. He did not. I don't know if because of the lawsuit, the collusion lawsuit, that the commissioner couldn't say Colin Kaepernick's name. But You know, and they may not be able to say each other's names publicly because of the lawsuit or that it was settled. And what's the language in there? I don't know. But the commissioner did not say Colin Kaepernick's name. Now, maybe that was by design. Maybe it was accidental. Maybe he wanted to talk in generalities, not in specifics. But the fallout is there. And you go all the way to the White House with the president now with, you know, looking at the commissioner and got him in his crosshairs of saying, so you're saying that you're going to now side with the protesters? No. I don't know if the NFL looks at this and the own. We haven't heard from the owners, by the way, because that's interesting as well. From what some uh, great NFL reporting has uh, pointed out, he didn't clear that video with owners. And we'll talk to Peter King about that because... The owner's voices are really important in this as well because that's the individual bosses for these teams. Commissioner doesn't govern the individual teams. The owner does. And the question is, which owner is going to take a chance on Colin Kaepernick? And I started to think about this when I was driving in today. Who would have thought that we would be going, who's going to get a job sooner, Colin Kaepernick or Cam Newton? And... I, I, I think, believe it or not, Colin Kaepernick might get a chance before Cam Newton because we don't know about Cam right now. And Cam, Cam wants to be a starter. I don't know what Colin Kaepernick wants to do. But this is completely different if you're looking at apples and oranges. You know, Colin Kaepernick, by all accounts, is, I'm guessing, healthy. He had shoulder surgery years ago. We don't know about Cam Newton. But are you going to bring in Cam He doesn't strike me as a backup or willing to be a backup. Does Colin Kaepernick want to come in and go, I'll be a backup? And I don't know. If I'm Colin Kaepernick, I I think I'm more powerful by not playing football. 
instead of going in and holding a clipboard. Unless you're going to get a real chance to compete for the job, then I don't know why you would do that because it feels like that your voice would be softened here. And maybe let others, maybe let others in the NFL take that step. Patrick Mahomes, obviously. Step forward. Deshaun Watson, step forward. But it's not just on the the black players. It's on everybody. It's on all of us. It's on the white stars as well. And I think if you have that, then I think ownership will probably fall in line as well. And if the owners had done the right thing and maybe let these players say what they needed to say back then, we wouldn't be here now. If the NFL had jumped in and said, how do we make this better? We wouldn't be here today. We just sort of had this quietly, silently dragging along. It was there. The question is, when was it going to come back up again? And it's here, front and center. This program is brought to you by LegalZoom. They make it easy to set up the right estate plan without leaving your home. Take care of your family today with the right estate plan at LegalZoom.com. Well, so much for easing into a week here after the weekend. Yes, Paulie. I've been thinking this after what you said about Kaepernick. From a football, we're talking. I'm talking about the football fallout of this. It's mid. It's early June. From a uh, timing standpoint, for Colin Kaepernick to return to the NFL, this could be football-wise good timing. Camps open up in six weeks ish. He could get an offer from any of the teams that are, are interested in him. Is there any chance it, it could be also a great thing for him if he did play in the NFL this year in any role? Almost not as a conquering hero because that's trivializing it, but almost like. Look who! Look who's back! Look who's here! And he, because he doesn't talk a lot, he does not do a lot of interviews. I, I don't know what he thinks about this. He has too much to lose, because we have the image of Colin Kaepernick being a dual threat. And in today's NFL, we're looking for the dual threat. And uh, you know, he was Josh Allen before Josh Allen, and even a better version of that. Josh Allen aspires to be like Colin Kaepernick, but I think. I think that he has too much to lose if he comes back and then he plays and doesn't play well, then people say, yeah, see, I told you. you know? Go back and look at all the excuses why people didn't want Colin Kaepernick. The Niners got rid of Colin Kaepernick. They said, didn't fit the system. And then he was too expensive. C.J. Beathard and Brian Hoyer for your 1-15 in 15 49ers. Okay, whatever your reasons are, Okay, hopefully there were legitimate football reasons. Uh, there was talk that he was on a new diet. People didn't want him because he was on a new diet. I don't know if he can play. There were moments where he was brilliant, and then there are other moments where he was really inconsistent and looked raw. I don't know if a team's going to go, that's our quarterback. Look around the league. Who's going to say, let's bring him in? And it's been a four-year layoff here. You can throw football in a practice field. You can be in shape. It doesn't matter. Is somebody going to give him a chance? Maybe. But if I'm Colin Kaepernick, I would really have to look hard at this and say, is that what I want to come back for? Everything that I've done, this is what I'm going to come back for? Am I going to get a chance to play? Am I just going to be on the sidelines? And then what's that sideline going to look like? Yeah, Paul. Yes, but I'm wondering, because again, we don't hear from much, is there still a football player in there too who says, boy, oh boy, I, I used to love this. I used to be really good at this. I was the next guy for a while before he cooled off or had injuries, whatever you want to say. But I wonder if there's a football player in him that, 
I know that's going to be second on the, the poll of what, what's important, but I'd be fascinated to know how much football plays into it in his psyche. Uh, I'm sure there's a football player in there. That football player probably never leaves these guys. But I think at some point you move on and say, this is my calling here. I think he understands his voice is louder by not playing than if he did play. Because now we're going to attach his words to how well he plays. And if he doesn't play well, then it feels like he's a little bit diminished. Uh, But, hey, if he gets a chance, great. If he doesn't, then we move on. And uh, hopefully, hopefully we come to some kind of feeling that's a little bit better than we've had it, where it still feels fractured here. You know, you, you just have people who are going to look at this the way the president of the United States does. I certainly understand that. You're going to have other people now look at this maybe with a little more clarity from the other side. And I certainly understand that as well. We'll talk to Peter King about this. A few other things football related. Tom Verducci on Major League Baseball. Will we have it? When will we have it? And is there a chance we're not going to have any baseball this summer? Your phone calls, 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address, dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at dpshow. Uh, we say good morning to our radio and TV partners. You can watch on youtube.com slash the Dan Patrick Show. And uh, we're part of the Fox Sports Radio lineup. 18 after the hour, Peter King joins us next here on the Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This program brought to you by Mercedes-AMG. Be prepared for whatever comes your way. It's the all-new GT four-door coupe because life is a race. Visit your local dealership for a test drive today. If you missed any of our celebrity interviews this week from the Mercedes-AMG Man Cave, go to the Dan Patrick Show app where you can watch and listen from inside the Mercedes-AMG Man Cave, Mercedes-AMG driving performance. We'll get to Peter King coming up here in a moment. Blake in Alabama joins us. Blake, what's on your mind this morning? ADP, six foot. 260. I had a question, and I was wondering if you think it might work. What if we gave uh, our athletes an opportunity, aside from the anthem, to kneel and give them their own segment to peacefully protest? That way they get all the um, recognition that they would like for their cause, and yet we can still respect the flag because they've said it's not about the flag anyway. What are your thoughts? As long as it's the player's choice instead of the NFL being, you know, big brother here, you know, because that's what happened a couple of years ago. You know, the NFL didn't know how to handle this. The owners didn't know how to handle this. And if you're letting the players decide what is important, then then I'm okay with that. Let's bring in Peter King, NBCSports.com. Football morning in America must read every Monday morning. His uh, column, Anger, Apologies, and Videos Gone Viral Inside the Three Days That Sparked Major Shift in the NFL. Peter, how are we? Dan, I'm doing well. How about yourself? Well, I'm trying to sort this out with what has transpired here over the last four or five days with the NFL, starting, I guess, with Drew Brees' apology, subsequent apology and then another apology the commissioner then putting out the video and then the president tweeting last night so where do you think the dust is settled so far here on monday morning before 10 a.m you know we'll see you know right now basically i think the biggest thing about 
what happened in the last few days is that uh, Roger Goodell, who, despite what people think, does listen to people, doesn't always act on what people close to him say, but Roger Goodell listened. He listened to the voices of 20 players led by Michael Thomas. He listened to some rogue employees. And it, it wasn't uh, just Brendan Minter, the 27-year-old social media video producer uh, sitting in his apartment in L.A. and working at his kitchen table and putting together one of the most impactful uh, player videos we've ever seen that already in four days got 21 million views across you know, all kinds of platforms. It isn't just that. It's also the fact that Dan, when Roger Goodell had a town hall last Friday, uh, an employee who's been with the NFL for four months, a guy named Jarek Walker, a former walk-on football player at BC, uh, basically appealed to the commissioner to let's be the sport we were on 9-11 when we helped America come out of it. Let's be the sport we were uh, in Katrina when we helped America get well. We're not that sport right now. And I think that really hit Roger Goodell, that a 31-year-old black employee, along with many other black employees on Zoom video conferences, a lot like the one we're having right now, basically said, we are not being heard. And you are not listening to your players. And Michael Thomas, Tyron Matthew, and the others, uh, Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham Jr., looked right at Roger Goodell and said, you have to listen to us. And he did. The commissioner puts out a statement, and I think you were reporting that the owners didn't know that he was putting out this statement. We haven't heard from the owners yet. Is that correct, Pete? No, I, I have not read anything. I did not report that, Dan. I think someone else did. I don't know who it was. But, but honestly, you know, at this point, it isn't that that doesn't matter, but Roger Goodell was not going to get on the phone with 32 owners and say, hey, what do you think? I'm thinking of doing this. Okay. He had to do this. There's no question about it. The big question now, as I posed in my column, is really what's next? What are the owners going to do? What's Jerry Jones going to do? You know what happened the last time when there was a threat for people kneeling. There was an implicit uh, you, you know, an implied, uh, 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 you know, statement from Jones and implied. He never said this directly, but don't you dare kneel on the sidelines of my stadium. So now we're going to have to see, and look, I, I think there's no question that players are going to kneel, perhaps en masse, uh, you know, this, this fall at games. I, I mean, there's, there's three months between now and opening day. So we'll see what happens. A lot could happen. But I think what has happened in the last few days is that the players have flexed their muscles and the NFL listened. Well, we got six weeks to training camp, whatever training camp's going to look like. And uh, I was reading Mark Maskey in the Washington Post saying that there, maybe there's a little bit more of a sentiment or a feel, I don't, I'm paraphrasing here, of maybe Colin Kaepernick gets a true chance now. Have you heard anything about anybody maybe uh, opening their eyes, their doors to Colin Kaepernick here? No, it wouldn't shock me, but uh, I don't expect it to happen. Um, and, and I don't know. I, 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 all I can do is have a gut feeling on this, Dan. Um, 
if, if you were Colin Kaepernick and got the opportunity to be uh, Jameis Winston or to be Andy Dalton and to go somewhere and be a backup, uh, no one right now is going to hand Colin Kaepernick a starting job. Yeah. If you had a chance to go somewhere and be a backup and probably sit around for the majority of the year, do you want to do that? And maybe he will want to do that. And maybe he'll do it to make a point. But I would – I doubt it would happen, but I have no information either way on it. I said the same thing about 15 minutes ago. I just can't imagine that sort of all this clout he's built up as a voice or his actions, and then you go in and you're a backup quarterback. You know, it feels like he's more powerful in what he wants – uh, by not being a backup quarterback in the NFL. Dan, the the, uh, the CEO of Twitter just handed him a check for $3 million to continue his work to educate young people in his Know Your Rights camps. Uh, and, you know, and somebody else, I forget who, gave him a million dollars to do that. So, you know, he's he's – and again, I have not talked to Colin Kaepernick in four years, so how would I know? But I think it's unlikely that he would take a backup quarterback job in the NFL, but we'll see. Talking to Peter King, the column is Football Morning in America. Drew Brees' apology. What'd you make of that? Um, totally not surprising. He's a, a team guy. Um, we'll find out uh, how serious he is and whether indeed he's going to stand with his teammates. He says he will. Uh, and Dan, as I wrote in my column today, there is no one in the 36 years that I've covered the NFL who has done more for his adopted community than Drew Brees has done for New Orleans. Nobody. It's not even close. So I think everybody's a little bit too quick to throw Drew Brees off the cliff. I, I think you have to give him a chance. And whatever players think, they're going to think. Okay, But I think you've got to give him a chance to make this right. Uh, let me talk some football here. As of now, the structure of, you know, off-season workouts, I mean, is everything on schedule from what you've learned of this, you know, training camp and the season starting on time? Yeah, I mean, I talked to um, Alan Sills, the NFL's medical director, the other day, and he said everything right now, as of right now, is on course to happen the way it normally would. Now, 11 teams won't be going away to training camp. All training camps will be held at the home facilities. We'll see what kind of bubble can be built. Um, will media be able to cover training camps? Uh, will they be the normal kind of training camps that they always have been? Uh, will there be preseason games? You know, and those are the things we just don't know right now. The one thing I thought Sil, Sil said this on Adam Schefter's podcast last week. I thought it was a great point. He goes, three months ago, I mean, think of us three months ago. Three months ago, you and I were still going out to dinner as normal. And the, the first game of the regular season is three months from this Wednesday. Yeah. So a lot has happened in three months, and a lot can happen in the next three months. But all you can do is go by what you think right now. And the NFL, I think, in adopting these positions, these new jobs – like infection control officers in each organization. Every facility is going to be spick and span. The bubbles will be built, and we'll just see how it goes. 
What's your biggest question going into this season, football-wise? Will the uh, will the disease come back? You know, will the second wave of the disease uh, ramrod itself into the United States on December tenth and force the NFL to not play football? That's my biggest question. I think they're probably going to start the season, um, and I think at one point or another, a big big star is going to be held out of a game because he tests positive. Maybe there will be five of those on one team, and that team can't play this week. But I think the, the overriding, overarching question is, will the second wave of the disease detour the NFL season in week 12, 14, 16? What do you think the NFL thinks about the month of February of maybe extending the playoffs or the a week before the Super Bowl to get that Super Bowl towards the end of February? Basically, let's own another month. Is that uh, part of the? I mean, it's logical. Intent? It's certainly, you know, they can play the Super Bowl any one of those Sundays in February in Tampa. I'm sure they could probably play it in March, too. But, <laughs> uh, you know, again, those are the kind of things, Dan, that, I just think nobody can know right now because, you know, as Anthony Fauci told me a month ago, the disease, the disease is going to make these decisions. Peter, thanks for joining us. Uh, appreciate all the words in your column. We appreciate your time as well. Thank you, Dan. That's Peter King, NBCSports.com, NFL columnist, Football Morning in America. McLovin, what kind of poll question are we going to go with today? So I actually put up a poll to get a consensus here. Oh. If you had to rank the commissioners... How would you do it? Just to see what people would say. So I said, who's the best commissioner? Oh, Goodell. Boy. I know this is trouble, but this is not your opinion. This is the people's opinion. So okay. You, Goodell, Bettman, who everyone loves. <laughs> Just being sarcastic. Uh, Dana White, I'm going to put on there for clicks. Rob Manfred and Adam Silver. Oh, boy. The best commissioner is a runaway so far. Yeah, it's Adam Silver. Yeah, he's winning the poll. Yes. But um, guess who's second? A strong second. Uh, I was going to go Dana White. Yep. Okay. I don't think his fighters would agree with that. We've had some... Uh, Conor, Mc, Conor McGregor, he, he retired again, third time in four years. Uh, they're starting to complain about their pay. I don't know what the split is. I read something where it's like 80-20, the 20 going to the fighters. Because you do have stars in that sport, but it feels like some of those stars are saying, hey, I'm going to retire. I'm not going to put up with this. Dana White does his job for the fans. He may not do his job for his fighters, but he controls that schedule. The interesting part with UFC is you're not able to get fighters from around the world, and you're going to be burning through these fighters that you have here in the United States of trying to get them to fight and how many times you're going to get them to fight. But Conor McGregor just retired. Uh, there's been a couple of guys, I think, that retired over the weekend. And having covered boxing for years, nobody ever retires. I was at Sugar Ray Leonard's first retirement. I was Is that the best Baldwin. of the three? Uh, I think he had six of them. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I, I lost track. You know when you show up for a retirement announcement and you forget how many retirements it's been? I was there when Sugar Ray, he had the detached retina and held this press conference, and it was in Baltimore. I remember going to that, and then all of a sudden, you just, you know, a fighter just waits for the phone to ring. You know, Tyson's talking about coming back. Evander Holyfield trying to come back. 
Boxers don't retire. It's just the phone doesn't ring anymore. Yeah, McLovin. I know this might be different than Sugar Ray. I, re- I love your story about how you used to go to all the boxing events because they had the best food. Yeah, the press conferences. Yeah, that's sad. Well, I didn't make any money. And I did cover the sport. I mean, I was very fortunate at the time. I, I worked at CNN in New York, and boxing was big at the Garden. But I remember going to the Catskills to cover, you know, Boxers who were training, Jerry Cooney, uh, Mike Tyson was around, uh, Marvin Hagler, uh, Alexis Arguello, Aaron Pryor, uh, Vito Anafermo. There were just so many great fights back then, and, and it was wonderful. But there were times when I would go to a boxing press conference because I just remember they had really good food. I think it was either Bob Arum or Don King wanted to know where my camera crew was one time. And I said, well, you know, CNN, we're always covering news. Uh, hopefully they're going to be here while I'm the, I had, they had shrimp that were, they were as big as bluegill. Like it was like, you know, like a carp. And I went, uh, yeah, they should be here soon. Don. Yeah. The McLevin. Did you bring like a notebook or a tape recorder yeah. just to like as a oh, prop? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Paul. I don't remember what year it was. It's probably like 05. We got to go with our affiliate down in New York. We went to see Andrew Galata fight somebody. And we had seats. I think we were row three. It was was Iran Barkley? I, I, maybe. But or, it was, or is that Haseem Rahman? Haseem Rahman fought in the first fight. And we were and, and in row three. And then he sat three. with us. He sat next to me he with came his back, girlfriend. He came back up and sat with us. So we have like six seats. We're all sitting there, the guys from the show. And there's two seats to my right. And Haseem Rahman, he knocks some dude out. <laughs> and then Galat is getting ready to fight. And all of a sudden, here comes Rahman and his girlfriend or wife. And they sit next to us. I'm like, weren't you just in the ring like eight minutes ago? Didn't Galata get hit in the Galatas? Yes. Okay. In that fight? Yeah. All right. Uh, so that's the poll question. Who is the best commissioner? I have another side one that's a little controversial. Then we'll take a break yeah. and then we'll come back. I got a play of the day. I'm guessing Rob Manfred is last on this. Did Gary Bettman actually? The, the, Manfred and Bettman have not registered a vote yet, so they're tied at 0. 0.0. Oh. <laughs> well, I can't blame Gary for anything. He hadn't done anything. Uh, isn't he one of those commissioners that fans boo when he brings out the cup? Just out of tradition? It's just, Yeah. But they boo Roger Goodell as well. I just never know why they don't like Gary Bettman. Because <laughs> Roger Goodell is front and center with the most popular, important sport that we have. Gary Bettman, you'd think those fans would be like, hey, we're just happy somebody wants to be the commissioner here. We'll take a break. Play of the day coming up next. And uh, your phone calls as well, 877-3DP-SHOW. We will talk some baseball. Tom Verducci. I, I hate being a pessimist here, but I'm just trying to figure out the time frame of Major League Baseball. Everybody coming back and where are they going to be playing? I, I know that they have to be. The infrastructure has to be discussed, has to be probably settled on here really soon. And then you still have the money issues. Boy, got a lot of work to do and not a lot of time to do it in. Take a break back after this. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live every day at YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show. Carter in Colorado leads us off. Hi, Carter. What do you have for me today? Yo, what up, DP? Um, I got a best and worst for you. Okay. Um. My best is a large percentage of the Denver Broncos going to peacefully protest. 
Mm-hmm. I think that's a sign of things to come for other NFL teams and players. Well, you also had John Elway going with them. Uh, you know, Vic Fangio, the head coach, went with them as well. I think when you go together, that's when we view it as progress or you, you feel like there is a little bit more inertia, that we're pushing it forward. And Elway, uh, you know, leading or at least uh, part of that protest, I thought was uh, – uh, great. Well, as yeah, as a season ticket holder, I'm just very happy with what was done there. So, but um, and my worst is it's supposed to snow here in Breckenridge tonight. <laughs> and I'm pretty sick of snow. <laughs> I can tell you that much. So that's not good to get snow in June. Don't you live in Breckenridge because of the snow? Uh, no, I live here because I, I get paid to live here. I get I have a nice job, you know. But it does not involve the ski industry, so. Oh, okay. Well, hang in there, Carter. But I mean, I, yes. Yeah. So. All right. Yes, McLovin. Are you buying this Drew Lock hype? It's everywhere uh, about him having a blow-up season because all the weapons there. I have no idea. I mean, he does have weapons, and and he was one of those guys that. I think we looked at him as maybe under the radar. And I watched Missouri football, believe it or not. Usually a a noon game. Somebody had to watch Missouri. He would make throws where you'd go, wow. And then he would make throws where you went, oh, wow. He got a you know big big arm there, but I look I couldn't care less. It feels like when somebody you're not quite sure how to describe them, and you say they got a big arm. Okay, I'm assuming you have a pretty good arm to play the position. I want to know if you have a feel for the game. Nobody's ever talked about Russell Wilson's arm. They don't. They just say he knows how to play the game. He has a feel for the game. He's great when the game is on the line. That's what I want to know about Drew Locke. You can have a big arm. Can you play the position? There are a lot of guys who have a big arm. But that doesn't mean you can play the position. You do have talent around you. But I, I, I don't know what his intangibles are. Yeah, McLovin. Doesn't Russell Wilson hit like more big touchdown passes? And you're right. No one talks about his arm, but he has bombs all the time. I've never, I've never heard somebody go, man, you got to love his arm strength. Does anybody ever say anything about Deshaun Watson and his arm strength? Now, granted, Mahomes has a great arm, but his ability... He has a he has such a great feel for the game that he does have the big arm, but then he has really what's important because if you don't have a feel for the game and the intangibles, then it doesn't matter how big your arm is. Yeah, Paul. Has there ever been a light throwing but gigantic quarterback like six five two thirty? <laughs> but you know what? He really nickels and dimes it down the field. It's almost like you have to have one with the other, and if you're uh, if you're a shorter guy, like Russell Wilson having a huge arm does not match the narrative of him being small. I'm trying to think of a tall guy that you have on McLovin. Mark Wilson, BYU oh, quarterback. Old school. Yeah. He chipped down the field, I remember. But he was probably really skinny. He had a friendly arm. I'll, I'll bet you Kyler Murray, velocity-wise, <laughs> is as good as... Probably top five in the league, velocity-wise. But it doesn't match his size. Well, I remember at least one scout talked about his arm strength. And I went, that scout has not been next to Kyler Murray because he was talking about his lack of arm strength. When he was at the Super Bowl with us and he was throwing passes to you, and keep in mind, he didn't want to do anything that day with me, but he started throwing passes and you can hear a ball. And you could hear that ball leave his hand. It had zip on it. But he's a baseball player. 
But we get caught up in, I don't know if he's got the arm strength. He got the arm strength there. I want to know if you have anticipation. I want to know if, if, if you can throw a receiver. There's so many things that go along with being a great quarterback. And Drew Locke gives the, he checks the boxes there with what you see. It's the other stuff. How does he, uh, you know, if you give him a play, you change the play. If he sees coverage, like those are the things that can make you from good to great and great to Hall of Fame. Yeah, Paul. By the way, we are so dopey on this show. We make our judgments on quarterbacks based off throwing to McLovin on the Super Bowl set. When, when and, Joe, and why not? I know, but it's funny that we actually do it. Joe Burrow was on set, and the first time he threw to McLovin, he, he kind of eased one in, and we all went, ooh, mm, uh-oh, red yeah. flags. Yeah, I wouldn't draft him number one overall. And then I said to Joe, I go, you know, you could let one go on him. He goes, oh, it's okay. And then he, he hummed a few in there. Yes, McLovin. I think you're right about the height, though. Tua, everyone said, had a medium to not great arm. And I've watched a highlight. He's throwing 60 yards downfield time and time again. It's Russell Wilson all over. It's height. I know. I know. Heightism. Drew Brees, they said, didn't have a great arm. But he had a lot of long balls. But I guess, I, I don't know. Do they all have good arms, Dan? Are they all? I'm assuming you have to have a decent arm to play in the NFL. Just assuming at that position. It'd be like you're a wide receiver and you run a 5-2. He's got great hands, but he can't run fast. Eh, probably not going to be a wide receiver here. Hey, he runs a 4-3-40. All right, we'll work on the hands. All right, coming up. Uh, more phone calls as well. Best and worst of the weekend. What you saw that you liked, you didn't like. Most touchdown passes that traveled more than 20 yards downfield last season. Hmm, interesting list. I'll give that to you coming up in a few minutes here. And we'll check in with Tom Berducci on the Major League Baseball season. One hour in the books, two more to go here. Dan Patrick Show.